Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before. He's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California, from the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, two performers with dozens of screen credits between them, both starred in the beloved cult TV series Firefly, and they have reteamed in the Comic-Con HQ series Con Man, which has just released a season, a season two. Hello, Alan Tudyk. Hello, Nathan Fillion. Thank you guys both hey for there. joining me here. Ah, uh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. So, uh, you're, this, the second season of your show, Con Man, starts off, leads immediately with an extended shot of an elderly man's testicles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, I think it is a distended shot, actually, because they're coming right down out of his skirt. And uh, as he's going up that ladder. I like a show that tells me where I stand from the word go. (laughs) (laughs) They're blurred out. So for people who are worried about seeing some... uh, Testicular activity. There you go. And some sort of pale, gray... Man balls. Man balls with blue, veiny... You don't have to worry. I've stopped. We're pixelating. Yeah, it's all pixelated. You don't have to... Don't worry about that. It's life. Balls yeah. are life, you know? Get used to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have any trouble casting that role? Did you lead with this is what your character yeah, is going to be How'd you doing? find him? He was, because we, we really liked it. So Comman, you know, is set in the, in the world of the sci-fi convention world. So we wanted to uh, cast people who were familiar with that world and possibly uh, had a fan following in that world. And uh, Jack is was in the original Star Trek uh, he played a Romulan, and then he played Spock's father in two Star Treks ago with the Abrams reboot. So he is a Star Trek. Uh, huh? It's always the same guy. It's the same guy. He's the only guy that's ever done that. You know, I got to quit taking notes from my guy over here. <laughs> I got a producer sitting next to me who knows more than me about what I'm talking about. It's Spock's dad, is what this comes down to. It was yes. Spock's dad, and so mm-hmm. we put Spock's dad in a dress and turned him into the. Uh, a, he was he was one of the first uh, stunt lady men, so he was doing women's stunts before female uh, stunt. Uh, art women came on board so he he was always he did all of his most heroic stuff wearing a dress and he did his own screams that's one of the things that's sort of his claim to fame so whenever he gets hurt he screams like a woman and he's always he's always falling down things on purpose he's still got it I'm curious the show's obviously based to some extent on your guys's real life experiences I don't know exactly how much but does the does there ever or did there ever come a point where uh, being associated with a cult television show started to seem like maybe this thing wasn't worth it. If I had it to do all over again, carrying this thing with me may not have been worth the however many episodes we if, if that happens, it hasn't happened to me yet. I think the worst thing in the world, possibly, for me, is if people would forget Firefly. What did you say it was called? Firefly? Oh, I remember. Sorry. <laughs> Haven't I been re- it, was been it was a while ago. Recently? Yeah. Is that still a, a, a consistent, like, daily 
thing that you get recognized for? I, I don't know about daily. I don't get up much, but um, <laughs> but the people who like it don't like it a little bit right. or know of it, but don't really know of it. They know it and love it, and they're steeped in it, and they uh, pl- you know play it for their kids, and they name their cats or kids after characters. Like they they do things that that to me say, oh, this if if it ever dies, it'll. I think it might even. Uh, let's hope it outlives me. I think it might even outlive me. That would be great. Oh, that'd be cool. Because I'd hate it for it to be forgotten before I die. I'm certain they'll bring it up at my funeral. There's one way to do that. What's that? Die, die. now. Die. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. just take the yourself your out court. of the game right, right away. Don't do it, buddy. Yeah, I'm going to wait till I owe more people money. There you then go. die. There you go. There you go. I find, tell me if you agree, and I know that you need to probably uh, tread carefully here in answering this, that I love lots of kinds of entertainment, but there's a certain line that you cross where you start naming cats and stuff after characters from it, especially if it's more than one cat that's named after a character from the same show. And I find that there's a personality type that gets into things obsessively and if they're into one they might be into something a bunch of other things obsessively do you yourselves are you into anything as hardcore as firefly fans are into firefly oh uh, i used to be into uh junk shopping shop for junk <laughs> shop for junk but like like plastic foods, man. Yeah. Like antique plastic foods. And your disgusting, diseased, waxed leg. Oh, I got rid of it. Mm. I got rid of that. Your your uh, your your embalming tools. My my trade embalmers kit. I got rid of that too. I got rid of a lot of stuff. I had a lot of stuff there for a while. Dark yeah. stuff, man. You, you used to collect dark stuff. Look, if you have, all right. So <laughs> let me just say, in, right. in defense of the wax leg with smallpox. It was a section of the leg from just above the thigh. You get the knee and just part of the shin. This is a real thing you're talking it, about. Yes, it's a real thing. And it was in a box, and uh, it was from the uh, late 19th century. It was French. And they would use these as teaching tools to show people what this looked like. Right. But just hear me out here, okay. Alan. Um, this, the embalming things, the... The trade embalmers kit, which they used to use back in the 50s to- in this country totally before true. there were funeral parties in every... Totally true, all true, yes, major yes. historical piece. Um, but when you say, oh, you're going to New York, you can go stay at my apartment. Right. To me, I say, ah, that's less of an apartment, more of like a, some kind of spook house. Or a natural history museum. Look at all the taxidermy. Check it out. Maybe don't take a nap here, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't bring your girlfriend, which should have been the thing, because she, she was freaked it out. It was a little spooky. It was yeah. a little spooky. There's people. Manhattan particularly attracts them. You you read these stories once every five years or so of uh, you know these people passed away, often under an avalanche of the things yeah, that they've the been newspapers collecting. Yeah, the newspapers in the front hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The eccentric eccentric brothers who've been living on Park Avenue in this multi million dollar apartment. You know, just completely covered in uh, covers of the New York copies of the New York Observer. Yeah, yeah. Love that stuff. Right. That's gonna be Alan. Mm. No, no, I don't read the Observer. Right, not anymore. Anyway, right? not any, not mm. since the yeah, yeah, yeah. the city yeah. came in. I kind of collect flashlights. You do. I really do. I like flashlights. I like good flashlights. Is it that you haven't found the the flashlight yet, or do you just like to have as many varieties? I think as it's possible? kind of a constant search for the perfect light. It keeps getting like this is. You'll see. You'll go over to his house. And be like, look at what has come out now. Yeah, this is the quintessential light. How many jewels? Need look no further. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cut to next week. Alan, forget everything I said. Yeah. This is it. This is it. Feel that. Feel that in your hand. Yeah. Feel the, how the weight is. Feel yeah. how the balance. That's tactical grade steel, sir. Yeah. Aircraft aluminum. Yeah. 
stuff like that. Yeah, this is some personal elimination. Yeah, craftsmanship at hey, its hey, finest. Yes, mm. exactly. Right, it's more than just a flashlight. Yeah. He okay. can blind the pilots of 747s <laughs> from the ground that while they're in the sky. Not that uh, I not would. Nobody on, wants to do that, approach. but they want the ability. Yeah. In a pinch, just an hour. Right, exactly. That's right. why we're all hoarding food, right? That's I mean, right. I'm, not, I'm not looking forward to eating it. No, no. Uh, so what I like to do here is ask my guests to do my job for me and to come up with things to talk about. So I wonder <laughs> if uh, – I've, I've come up with some topics as well that might be fun for us to bat around, but I wonder if either of you have uh, read any good books lately? Have you uh, read any articles that uh, grabbed your interest? I'll never stop talking about World War Z. Not the movie, the book. Okay. Movies to – not terrible. The movie's fine. It's just not about the book. The right. book is, to me, terrifying because it's a what-if scenario of uh, an actual zombie infection yes. on our world. Not uh, not a movie, not a, not a big dramatized, you know, what's going to happen to our hero. It's all these stories from people all over, starting from the doctor in China who found patient zero to the guy in the space station who figures he should stay to try to maintain satellites while this is going on to uh, uh, submarines, to everything. I thought it was, and whenever I read it, and I've done it five times now, I've read that book five times, whenever I read it, I have the most terrible dreams for a, a month. <laughs> now, Mel Brooks's son wrote that, yes, did he Max not? Yes, Max Brooks, yes he did. He is the, the, not the patient zero, he's cause zero of this entire zombie renaissance, which has now been a really big thing in our culture. I feel like the zombie survival handbook was this thing that I saw on a desk somewhere of, yes. oh, Mel Brooks and everybody's kids got to try to do something, oh, right. you got a little zombie book, and it has been such a dominant, I've never, I've never read the book, so I can't even uh, judge okay. the contents of it. It's him. It seems to me, like zombies never really went away, but they have been so big for so long, and that's, that is where that renaissance began. I like that idea. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. Zombies mm. are, are kind of universal. They've, they've been around for yeah. ages, but uh, when things come in and out of fashion, I think he was probably at the onset of the tidal wave. I think you're right about that. What do you think speaks to you about zombies? I like post-apocalyptic anything. Uh, one man versus the world, especially if he's on his own and you got to rely on your wits and um, the, the danger of zombies constant and, uh, you know, numbers are their thing. But I like the slowness and the meanderingness of them. No. If, if the world was covered with uh, tigers, I'd, that, I'm, I'm out. I don't want that. That's Zombie not. tigers. If they're slow. See, but what about, you don't like the fast zombies? No. Why not? I don't Because I can't run a mile. You know that's true. You're getting there, though. Thanks, man. You're getting close. It does have a bit of the living nightmare thing, right? Because in your nightmare, it's never this incredibly fast thing that's coming to get you. It's it's this thing that's pretty slow, but somehow, shit, I'm a bit slower. Hmm. Ooh, there's that, the sticky feet and the, long, yeah. the ever-lengthening hallway. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's that stuff, too. But I always like to imagine, what, well, what if? What if there was a post-apocalyptic? What if I was the last man on Earth? What, what would I do? How would I? A lot of my things, though, rely on, well, first of all, I'd... Uh, weld up, but I remember, oh, that takes power, and that means the power plant would have to be running, which it probably isn't because I'm the last man on Earth. So a lot of my plans got to go out the window. Yeah. Do you have a bug-out bag? I do. I have a I have a chest. I have a chest. A bug-out chest. Yeah. I have a big container on wheels that's not in my house should my house fall down in an earthquake, but it's accessible to me, and in it I have... Uh, Blankets, protein bars, foods, uh, some water. I have filters for more water. I have antibiotics. That I've Where'd thrown. you get those? Because sometimes I go to little scuba diving trips in other countries, and you don't need um, 
prescriptions. They just have them on the shelf there. That's good. Thank you. See, the Red Cross can't officially recommend that because I my my go bag is pedestrian compared to yours. Yeah, I like to uh, wow. the crank radio. I have a little yeah. uh, little pedals you put on the ground. And you pedals and you can plug things in and charge them up by pedaling. I bet you oh, got a hell of geez. a flashlight. Got a hell of a flashlight. Solar powered. I have, I have a solar panel. I have so much pound cake. I don't know why. I bought the 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 rations, the the military ready MREs that they yeah. serve, uh-huh. and 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 it just everything comes with dessert. Apparently, when the shit goes down, I am going to need to top off every single meal <laughs> with pound cake. Well, I imagine. <laughs> The stress. I mean, imagine how stressful things it's, would it's be. It's heavy. We'd be yeah. pretty stressed, right? We'd be pretty stressed out if if, if everything went to hell. Yeah. And uh, and if you have some food, if you had a little pound cake on on the back end of that meal, wouldn't th- life feel just a little bit normal for a quick second? A moment of levity. Yeah. Also, sugar apparently helps you come down from uh, an adrenaline high. Really? Yeah. Oh. That, that shock of adrenaline that sugar helps you. So, Ellen, are you unprepared if the shit goes down? I'm absolutely unprepared. I think I got a hank a rope. I'm not even sure the length of it. It's just a hank. Who's what's a hank? I don't know. That. Hank. I don't know a, that unit of measurement. Really? No. You got to get a hank of rope. You get a hank of it. <laughs> I come from Texas. That's no. absolutely a measurement. Can you? Can you? I mean, tie something down with a hank of rope, or tie a shoe, or uh, no? A I don't know. I don't. And uh, maybe a tourniquet, and and that's it. I have, oh, and I have some survival manuals and a medical book as well. Oh, wow, in my bug out bag. Yeah. I, I don't know much about. But if I had a book there. I've got two you know, guns. It's not going to be available. i got two guns. So yeah. I can come and take your bag what, from you. You do that, Because I have a gun. That is exactly what you would do. <laughs> I know that. Yeah. Got a gun for me, one for my wife. That's it. And one for my dog, actually. My wife is definitely, uh, I think at this point, she would rather that we be unprepared for the zombie apocalypse than as opposed to my ongoing uh, concern. For Are you guys going to Thelma and Louise bank? it off well, of no. Malibu cliff? <laughs> That's probably what she wants to do at this point because I devoted an entire night over Christmas break to unpacking the go bags, making sure everything was still uh, uh, Good. Not, not expired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I think she'd rather just die. You know what? She'll thank you later. It's deeply unsexy, but I will be the sexiest man she's ever met when and if. Right, if there's an earthquake. Or Does cash matter it. then? Do you need cash? No, and what matters, I think, only sl- ever so slightly less is gold. The gold hoarders make no sense to me. When the shit goes down and you've got your guns, Alan, and you've got to go and get supplies, what good do you expect gold to be to you? Right. So you can say, I'll trade you this gun for some of that pound cake, and that'll mean something. Pound cake will become, yeah, exactly. That'll oh be the my new God, currency. That's your <laughs> gold. The, standard, the, <laughs> that's gold, your the gold, gold right standard. there. Yeah, exactly. As the dollar is today, so will be pound cake. <laughs> I got some icing for that pound cake. See, I don't know what that means. But. So, uh, Nathan, Alan, we're talking uh, to you as the second season release of Con Man comes out on Comic Con HQ. Uh, Alan, you are up. Have you thought of anything provocative to discuss? Oh, like just the topic of something to discuss? Yes. I already had that whole taxidermy thing. I thought that was going to go somewhere. And about Let's do the, it. The, Let's the do art, it. The art. I do want to say that, that I do want to finish the idea that of that diseased leg, not to come back to the diseased leg, but it, it was a piece of art. It was cast in wax, and it was hand-painted with the red around the, um, uh, the bumps, the smallpox bumps. You can see just maybe yes. not... In the living room. I don't know where you would want it. The uh, bedroom? A museum. A museum, I see. Yeah, yeah. I, I, had a, I had an illustration where they would, you know, for diseases, an illustration of um, 
I think it was another disease. I forget what it was. It wasn't smallpox, but it was a illustration of this little young child in a bed, and she's got it all. I think it was syphilis. So it was all over her chest and her face, and she was in like her dressing gown. And she was like two, two one, one, between one and two years old. And she's in basically her deathbed there with this disease on her. And it was such a beautifully done painting. But there's so much in it that you've got, this is how they recorded. They didn't have a, a photograph of it at the time. So you're actually looking at a little girl that did exist at one time. And they put her in her deathbed where she probably died and a little thing and the syphilis on her face. It was a beautiful piece of art. Now that goes in the kitchen. <laughs> where, what am I missing? Now, just really quickly, you have to know that Alan has some peculiar tastes. Alan, there's a support beam in your house right in the middle of the living room covered in a... Oh, a sweater. Yeah, with giant buttons on it. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big like 12-foot sweater. I'm getting another sweater made right now. Your kitchen's behind a wall completely covered in... Antique yardsticks. You have a bar in the kitchen made from a... Bowling alley. You have... Okay, that one I get. There you go. Right? Yeah. All right. So this what about the yardsticks? You don't get the yardsticks? <laughs> I'm sorry. Look, okay, these yardsticks. I'm still I'm... measuring things by Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> How many Hanks in a pound? Uh, I got a cake. I want to know that doesn't. Uh, so the, the yardsticks, when I was growing up, you got yardsticks from places. They had advertisements on them. So they, you got... I recall that. Yeah, paint places. Yeah, paint places. Uh-huh. There were yard, hardware. Yard meant something back then. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> The, and they had TV appliance places. Um, I have one from the 40s that was for liquid asbestos. <laughs> get, your, <laughs> get your liquid asbestos. And where the phone numbers are five. Call us at five. You know, just use that one. That's the only number you need. But it'll be like, you know, ST13. You know four people in town got a phone before you did. Yeah. <laughs> Those sons of bitches, they beat me to it. What do you do? Would this just be like for coating pipes and stuff down in the basement? What do you do? The with... asbestos? Yeah. I Liqu- mean, what, what can asbestos do, obviously, but oh, it's specifically? For drinking. Well, it's drinking asbestos. <laughs> yeah, 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 and your hair. It's so hard to mix the powdered stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You were going to go liquid. Um, pre-mixed. Uh, but that, I don't know, I never, it didn't come with any, but I do have the yardstick, you know. So the yardstick is a little capture of that moment in time, just like the little girl with syphilis on her face. Yeah. I've got, I've got that, I've got, there There were a lot of, evidently in the, in the uh, back in the day, they had furniture stores that also doubled as funeral homes. I got a couple of those. There was one that's like a... Because they're a, not going to be using that couch anymore, so... That's what I thought, but it turns out that it was a lot of carpenters. Carpenters who made coffins, and then they happen uh, to be handy as well, so they'll make you a coffee table as well, and then they make you coffins. So it's like this, it's the history of it all that has now disappeared. You don't get yardsticks or anything, and you definitely don't get an appliance store that will fix your TV and sell you a refrigerator. You can only go to maybe Best Buy or what, you know, there's so few mom and pop shops anymore. Yeah. So it's history. Mm. And their first instinct mm-hmm. when you bring them electronics to fix is, are you positive you... Are you, first, are, are you entirely positive you want? I mean, I can. It's not that I can't do yeah, it, but yeah. why? Why just want to just replace it? Why aren't yeah. we? Right, just throw it away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. Yeah, uh, coffins. Now, most people I think buy at uh, I want to say Walmart. Walmart is they do they the sell single it. biggest retailer of coffins. I in never the US. see them on display. Are they on display? Uh, I have never. No, do you go in there? To, to Walmart? Walmart? Yeah. I've been in a Walmart. I think I would have noticed if there was a coffin department. They're in the what back by the yardsticks and the pictures of the sick kids. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. 
<laughs> they, uh, I think a it might, of yardsticks. It might be, uh, it might be an only an online purchase. Although, God, you get that in the mail. I don't know. Oh, I was under the impression that it was uh, that they have a a section because you want to you want to you know it's like buying a, a look. buying a sedan yeah. you want to run your fingers over that baby you're gonna be spending some <laughs> yeah, time and take it for a spin. <laughs> do you buy your own or do you buy? Are you buying for some? Is this for you or a gift? <laughs> <laughs> you want this wrapped? <laughs> buying Don't, in bulk. I think they you have know, nothing <laughs> fancy. I'm just gonna light it on fire. <laughs> they have uh, cardboard coffins. I think that's a, a way to go. Why not? You know why not? I think that they, I think it's probably looked down on, like you could only afford a cardboard coffin. But why not? That's so much better. I would think back into the earth. Come on, don't yeah. do any of that. Inject yeah. you with the fluids. Yeah. yeah, you got your own fluids. Put seeds in your pockets or something. There you go. Well, you know what they're doing. One beyond that, and I think this this might have legs. You Being know a tree. Yes. Go. Did you not know about this? I do, yeah. but go. It's so they 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 crumple you up in a way like uh, hate, like most guys have tried to blow themselves. Like, well, you'll in death you'll finally come as close as you've ever come because they'll kind of crumple you in half like that, right. and they'll put you at the base of a small tree, and then they will plant you in uh, in like an orchard, and right. instead of going to graveyards, grave which are stone, right. just invariably really depressing and and. Um, Make you contemplate death in the most horrible possible way. With these, you and I think they're starting to do them now. You will go and visit a bunch of trees, yeah, and right. one of those trees will be your grandpa. Yeah, which would be so cool. It's kind of the way to. I mean, it makes sense. Right? I, 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 I looked. I looked into this and then just you can the other down day. The tree and make a make a make a make a coffin out of it. <laughs> That's right. The Kuna Matata. <laughs> the circle. <laughs> So I have something that I wanted to uh, uh, bring up to you guys, ask you about. There's a quote from <coughs> Con Man on um, Comic-Con HQ. Uh, a little uh, very quick line in, I think, the first episode about uh, making a series about America, the one we like to misremember. Oh, yeah. I, I love that. It's Thank such, you. It's a, there's so much packed into that quick little statement. I was wondering if there's anything in particular, any American myths that made you think of that. I I... I was thinking for a while that, you know, when you're looking at um, all of these leading men coming out of England and coming out of uh, Australia. Australia, that um, I was wondering, do we hate ourselves, Americans? <laughs> why are we hiring all these other people? You know, why do we like these other, you know, and then, well, are Americans as macho as they used to be? Like, we're kind of like American men aren't aren't as rough, you know, rough and tumble, maybe. And definitely Australians are. And they, ha- but they have this uh, this way. Australians are are kind and gentle, but also rough and tumble. They remind me of Texans, but if they were t- relaxed a little bit uh, as a Texan, so um, so a more relaxed Texan is an Australian. I was an Australian, yeah, like a Texan without a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no worries, mate. That they're like that. That and that uh, they like the idea of of a really rough and uh, Tumble, rugged guy, who isn't a sadist. I don't know. <laughs> sort of like the good, the America that we like to misremember, the America where we're we're just all tough and mm-hmm. didn't take any. Sh- yeah, right. and maybe a bit sh- less neurotic. Yeah, there you go. Less neurotic, less pampered, mm-hmm. less you know quaffed. So there was a book that came out in the '90s called "The Way We Never Were." 
and uh, there's just it just goes through every classic oh, cool. era of American culture, and it's like, yep, yeah, that that never happened. This never, you know, happened. Uh, like for the, example, for example, the Ozzy and Harriet model of the nuclear family in the 1950s, when the book was written in the 90s, and I have no way of verifying any of this stuff. The author, her name is Stephanie Kuntz, um, wrote, but she said something to the effect of like the number of uh, nuclear families that were two parent, both together. Uh, dad works, mom stays at home, was actually lower in the 50s than it was in the 90s. Really? And we had this idealized sense of a past that had never existed. How is that possible? I mean, am I just so brain that doesn't seem possible? It's, that's, that's entirely, it's entirely possible that it's impossible. How does marriage work with couples back then? Or? I think maybe that there were more women working. Interesting. Oh. Than people were aware oh. of. The only way to keep a marriage together is shame, and they had that down in the fifties. Mm. You know, that's yeah. how it works. What about for me the two separate wife. beds? I knew that was going on. Oh yeah, that works. Yeah. That's kind of got an angle. What's if, that? I mean, I think as long as you are occasionally spending time together in one of the beds, right? I could foresee a future. I'm a deeply romantic man, as you're about to see. I could imagine a future where I would like to sleep in a separate room for my wife. <laughs> At least having the option, right? Yeah. I mean, I love a, separate, her a whole separate room. I could imagine having my own room. Yeah. Maybe it's because I never had one when I was a kid. I don't know. My wow. dad's been, he's got a little office in his garage around his workbench. He calls it the boys club. Been there. Um, mm-hmm. You have. And uh, I think that's one of the secrets of my parents' successful marriage is he sequesters himself out there by himself. He limits his availability. Yeah. Yeah. So another thing that I looked into um, about the America that we like to misremember are some myths about the Old West. Um, Here's a dumb one. Cowboys, for the most part, did not wear Stetson cowboy hats. That came at the very tail end of the Old Western era. You were more apt to meet a cowboy in a bowler hat or a derby or a sombrero. Ah, because they were either coming from England or Mexico. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. It was an Irish guy or or a a Mexican. That's, That's about right. And also... There are only 12 recorded bank robberies in the Old West between 1859 and the year 1900. So who was robbing all those banks? Jesse James. When did he pull off all of his stunts? I supposedly been... he did not pull off nearly as many. If, wow. If businessinsider.com is to be believed, and I, I trust them implicitly. Well, There's an Australian fellow who used to get <laughs> They've got access we can't even dream of. Yeah. There's an Australian guy who used to dress up like a stove put on a an iron suit and he'd yeah. rob banks. Yeah, uh, yeah, Ned Ned Kelly. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Dress up like a stove? Yeah, he had a metal suit he'd put on. He'd hey, watch this, guys. Yeah, come on. Mate. Hey, watch this. Watch this. I'm going to go rob a bank. Put all your money in the, in, in the pocket inside, eh? Well, if I'm not mistaken, that was his last stand. I don't think he habitually did that. They just had him cornered, and it was his own personal one-man Alamo. And he's like, "I'm just going to take out as many of you as I possibly can." So did he, he was he like surrounded and yeah, I think so. fabricated a suit. So he somehow uh, don't quote me on absolutely any of this. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I think he kind of got himself in a impromptu Tin Man costume, uh-huh. and then just emerged and just was like, "I'm going to shoot as many of you as I possibly can before you get me." Wow. And that's why the Hemsworth brothers are starring in all of our movies. Yes, they mm-hmm. are the Hemsworths. There's Ned Kelly. There used to be a there was a there was a line in there also was after the uh they're just more than yeah, the how many, yeah, how just, many Hemsworths are there? <laughs> we don't know. They're just they're just more they're just more American than uh it just seemed but the America that we like to misremember and then somebody said, Yeah, like the Marlboro man before he got lung cancer like a pussy. <laughs> 
that is a line from Con Man, the new series on Comic Con HQ. We are talking to the co-creators and producers and stars. Are all those things fair? Yeah. Yes. Covered it. Yep. Uh, Alan Tudyk and Nathan Fillion. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back here on Faction Talk. Oh, uh, yeah. And we're back. Have you like? heard that Father John Misty song, Comedy? Comedy. Mm-mm. I love Father John Misty until I saw a video of him dancing to his songs, and it was such an opposite image of what the songs meant to me. The visual betrayed your... It betrayed it so badly. It was so very campy, and uh, I stopped listening to his music. That'll teach him. Until this song came out, and now I'm, I'm, I'm just keeping away from watching him. But God, that song's good. Yeah, I make it my business to not see artists. One of the proudest moments of my life was I was interviewing a musician who was opening for Death Cab for Cutie, and I was actually able to listen to Death Cab for Cutie sound checking without having to see what they looked like because <laughs> I was so sure that if I saw them, it would tarnish my mental image of Interesting. them. Interesting. Wow. Uh, hey, I wonder what your mental image is. Like, is it that do you have mental image of them as people, or just of just sort of as this sort of like, this sort of like a sonic image of the whole thing, who they are? I kind of imagine them being like. Uh, we could be back, by the way. We're we're okay. back. We're uh, back. And we're back. back. <laughs> Here and it is, the Tali Show. We're talking to Alan Tudyk and Nathan Fillion from Con Man on Comic Con HQ. My mental image, because uh, you can only avoid Death Cab for Cutie for so long. Right. And uh, I pictured this some slightly doughy, slightly obnoxious, very college white dudes in rumpled button-downs. And when I saw them on Storytellers, I was like, wow, brain. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember the guy kept scratching the back of his head. It was clearly this... Um, Open sore. This <laughs> <laughs> it might have been. I interpreted it as an affectation, but he no. may have been a sick man. No. <laughs> but like, do you know the Cocteau Twins by any chance? No. I I do know the name. Yeah, I had. This I have a ma- mental image where there's feathers involved. Do you remember the, the movie Big Fish? Yep. Yes. Remember, there's the two um, uh, conjoined yes. Asian sisters. Who, yes. I, in my mind, when I heard Cocteau Twins, I was like, "It's those sisters who are singing." Because the singer, she's this uh, opera trained singer who went into this ambient kind of alt pop thing so she has all these chops and it's always two recordings of her that are sort of weaving around each other oh, wow. and I was like I, I can never see what this woman looks like because there's I mean the odds that she is a set of conjoined Chinese twins is probably slim oh I was going to say hi <laughs> what were you oh okay sure. slim it's probably that just makes more sense than I think it would have yeah. uh, let me see let me ask when, you when you spend that much time with a person you don't want to work together with them as well you're so right you're right you need to separate, separate yeah. work from Right, you guys. Uh, you guys like each other. You guys were stuck together uh, professionally, and yeah, back in two thousand two, we met in ninety five, briefly. briefly. Didn't know it until two thousand two. I was his waiter. Oh, really? Yeah, I waited tables on him at Harry's Burritos on uh, Columbus Avenue and Seventy First Street. I think I, that's right. Yeah, it's a little higher. No, it was right below Seventy Second. Copy that. I was a waiter at uh, Nick's and Nico's. It was a Greek joint within a block of... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that place. The food was pretty good. The weird thing is it was run... I, you could tell that Greece had one day, at one point been under communist rule because of the managerial <laughs> style of, of Nico. Uh. At the end of every shift, everybody had to write a journal entry in a marble notebook about what we could all do better. Oh, wow. Which just meant rat on your coworkers. Oh, 
And what happens, and I have this theory about this, like the DMV is as bad as people think it is because there's probably somebody who gets a job at the DMV and they go, yeah, this is great. I can't get fired. There's not a lot of pressure for me to perform at any kind of uh, normal human speed. But I hate this, man. We're just we're screwing people over left and right. I got to find another job. And then there's somebody else who gets the job at the DMV and they go, this is perfect. <laughs> I am I am at home here. They function in that system and it perpetuates that system because it only the only people who stick around are people who love the way the DMV is and it works right. for them because they're kind of assholes in their own right or deeply lazy or both. You know, I'm sure yeah. I assume some good people thrown in as well. Um, and that's what happened with Nick slash Nikos is that everybody there were people who thrived on ratting on people and having constant waiter on waiter conspiracies and people like myself who didn't like it ended up leaving i crank called that place for (laughs) three solid years and i would send milkshakes send them milkshakes they had two locations and the one had the milkshakes but the other both of them served them so you'd call the one and go hey i need a i need a milkshake can you run it down here and they go yeah yeah yeah. and the guy'd run down a milkshake so when i left i called them pretty much every day for at least a year and said we need a milkshake down here and they need You'd be spending their time, thus yeah. money. Right. Oh my God, you you were stealing their time. I just figured the wor- <laughs> I figured there was probably always one person there who hated it as much as I did, and I was hoping that person always drank the milkshake. Got it. it seemed like a pretty benign until the time that I called and they go, "Hey, who is this?" And I'm so dumb. I go, "It's Mike." And they're like, <laughs> "Mike, Mike." So then what I did. That's in the book we speculated it was you you in the book. So then what I did is, oh, now when that was the thing, I was like, oh, they must be writing about this in the book every single day. (laughs) And so, which was part of the fun. And so then this was in the early days of illegally downloading music. So I downloaded the soundtrack from Zorba the Greek so that when I called and that was playing in the background, they didn't even ask me who I was anymore because they assumed I was calling from From the the Greek restaurant. restaurant. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, this that's is actually be- good stuff. This is before I had a child. I had a lot more time in my hands. Then. I got uh, I had a waiter job. I, I got fired twice from the same restaurant. I managed to get my job back, mm-hmm. and then I got be. fired again. Where did, where was this? It was the original Earl's. It's a chain in Canada. It was on Calgary Trail in Edmonton, Alberta. Fired twice. What what kind of food? Earl's is uh, well, at, at the time it was a it was like a fancy TGI Fridays. It's a classier. Every every how every do you Earl's, get classier? Then TGI Fridays, less buttons and no suspenders. You did it. There you go. That's it. It's like a, it was like a burger joint, but now it's like great salads and great pastas and it's it's everything you know. The jambalaya, oh, stir frying, something yeah. like that. Jambalaya up in Edmonton, Canada. Yeah, that far from yeah, Louisiana. Yeah, wow, that is. They we call a guy and he ships it down with a milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have some stuff we can talk about, but uh, if you guys have any uh, anything that you would care to throw out to the room for uh, you keep going, you're doing conversation. Amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, let me ask you about the recurring uh, um, motif in the show Con Man about dealing with agents and agent types, Hollywood talent agents. Right. I. I've had a couple of meetings with like real deal agents, but mm-hmm. I, I've just had a tiny little taste of that world. You see it lampooned in such an extreme way that, and and then I think, it, but it can't possibly really be anything like that. And yet, you guys just keep coming up with different angles that suggest that you are not maybe making this up; that this is just barely exaggerated things that have happened. Well, you take yeah. you take something that has happened to you. Uh, or like three different things that have happened to you from three different agents or right. 
casting directors or what have you, and you, you push them all into one portion, and then you exaggerate them. You just keep you keep feeding that same character from all the different experiences. So right. certainly no one person is like that. Kind of like a Mindy. Yeah, Mindy type. Sterling Mindy Sterling's character, Bobby Burns. Uh she was a former actress. But you do get these there's a few there are a few and I, I've I've had people give me a sort of side side glance at the cons now, at the Comic Cons. Who are like, is that about me? Because they are former actresses who are in sci-fi that have now become managers and of talent managers. And that's who she is. But she's such an extreme... And, and I do. I borrow from little things yeah. I know about people. There was someone that uh, in this season, um, Ray goes to meet Bobby at her new office and he's at a juice shop. And he's like, this is your new office? And she says, no, it's the mailbox, et cetera, next door. I went to go meet this manager and I've kept. I'm looking for this, this place to meet her at her office, and she's standing outside of mailboxes, etc. <laughs> <laughs> I gave it's her mailing yeah. address, obviously. It's yeah, her office. Yeah, a post office box is not your office, lady. It was, <laughs> it was uh, so. I mean, we do. We go to extremes. We have that the social media people. Like he goes into an audition. It's like, all right, you know, where's the director? He's not here, but we have our branding expert we have our marketing guy we have our, our social, twitter person yeah our social media team we answer to them but that's kind of how joss whedon explained to us right when we were doing uh serenity he said one of the biggest things that greenlight one of the, the people who greenlight movies in studios are marketing yes Mar- marketing that's the, can you market this yep let's make it is there a way is there an audience for what we're thinking about yeah here let's 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 come up with an angle yeah I was just talk- I just had a meeting where they were saying we we come up with ideas as to who to cast in these roles and then we pass them over to the uh, the the marketing people the overseas marketing people is a very important uh, department will these people work out overseas and then they g- hear back so you can take someone who's an up and comer here in the states and they're they're on a rocket right here but maybe they whatever projects they have haven't translated overseas just yet Romania so, that's so where not the real money the, is. Russia, Romania, yeah. yeah, and pirating in China, but you, if 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 their numbers haven't translated overseas yet, they're not gonna they're not gonna cast you, right? And that's what and they're like, no, get us Nick Cage, yeah, that guy's the best, <laughs> and that's why he makes so many movies that play great in Romania mm-hmm. only, right? Well, yeah. probably uh, more more uh, the entire former Eastern Bloc. I would yeah. think Slovenia He's, would seem to respond to. You're his. right. That is that is there. The slower is their the better. Spot. That's what I say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, so we we skewer them. It it, it is it. So it's again like a little thing, and then you you expand it out. But it, you know that that it's that's done in La La Land. You know, like people. It's that's the, that's the story of an actor who's auditioning that nobody really cares about you as an artist, and you're just in there to fill in a. You're you're a cog. There's a lot of that this season with Stephen Roots. You know. Yeah. Oh God, he's so good, isn't he? He's just always amazing. M- amazing. Whole, yeah. That he's like you're not a. He's like this is. He's like I'm the show and show business. He says it's, there's no. Sh- it's not show business. It's the entertainment industry. And there's no industry without machines, and you're just a cog in a machine, and you're nobody. You're law. Oh, I love yes. that. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Yeah, I to with do conviction. That. I heard, and again, just like everything else I've been saying here today, probably untrue, but um, <laughs> that um, uh, Netflix supposedly made House of Cards. Have you heard this? Because they 
obviously have a lot of data on what people watch on Netflix. They're Netflix. And there was some crazy, like, Venn diagram overlap correlation between people with an interest in David Fincher and people with an interest in Kevin Spacey. And they approached the both and said, anything that you want to make is something that we want to make because we know that that is a combination that our our subscribers will respond to. Wow. And great art can come out of that because it's, you know, it's not a cynical um, uh, creative enterprise, but it, it's the, the business underpinnings of it were, couldn't be more cynical, really. I don't doubt well, it. I, I, you Assuming know it's they have an algorithm, they have a formula mm-hmm. of some kind, they, they plug in your numbers mm-hmm. into this thing and then say, okay, this is what we could expect as a return, projecting, so we'll spend this much money on it to get it done and then we'll see how it goes. Well, that's that's great. Well, it's cool if you say, what do you have artistically? You, What story do you want to tell? Mm-hmm. Just use that guy. Right. You two come together and, and create something, as opposed to, we need something with vampires. We're getting a lot of pings on this vampire thing and cooking shows. So if you could bring a vampire <laughs> cooking show and travel through time, then we can. that's going to hit right in our Venn diagram algorithm, right. and we can sell this in Romania. <laughs> we recast it with Nick Cage. Yeah, well, anytime art and finance meet, there's going to one is going to fall. One is going to lose right. a little. It's, it's, it's rare that the marriage is perfect. But I think what's happening now in this new kind of paradigm shift is that certainly right now, your case especially I'm thinking about, uh, where the creative control is in your hands. It's more crazy. So. It's in my hands. I, we took this to, you know, to a comment to, uh, you know, uh, Lion, or Legendary and some other studios and things and they, they didn't really get it. We just wanted to make a pilot and then we, we crowdfunded it and raised $3.2 million. Wow. That's got to be so gratifying in such a, like a, a direct way of people are voting. You know people incredible. like your stuff. You know that yeah. you know, you can, you, you're you a guy who can get meetings but like people are saying, here's my dollars. Make it. I want to watch it. Yeah. Definitely more than, it's a lot more support than we could get on the business side. Mm. You know, the business people didn't see that draw. That then business people went, wait, what? You got what? How did, How many people? And not only to make the show that we made six half hours the first season, uh, a comic book. We put out two issues of that and a game that's on phones called Command the Game, which is where you build your own convention. And you uh, aliens come down and they start to ruin your convention. You have to fight them. And Joss Whedon's a character in it and he cleans the toilets and he... Um, um, <laughs> And some guy gets sick, he gets the con crud, which if people who go to cons know that people get sick and pass it around. So he starts throwing up. You got to get, you got to get custodial to clean that and then plus heal him. So that was all from them. And that was definitely in our hands. So we made the show, made the game. And then uh, Lionsgate and Comic-Con HQ came along and said, hey, we like what you did, do it again. Except for this amount of money, uh, which is better. Uh, the second season, and you get the same creative control you had the first time, which would yeah. never have, ever, have, ever, have, ever have happened if we had gone the straight route. They would have right. said, we're going to take 90% of what you have. And the thing that you always hear is, well, at least you'll get it made. That's the refrain. And so many people say it. It's like this this thing that people who've gotten things made now, you go to them and you go, can you believe the deal they're offering me? They go, well, at least you'll get it made. <laughs> like, yeah. They got to you. Yeah. They, they, because that's how it works. You get it made, and then you can maybe build on that. Yeah, this would have been a very different project had it not been for the fans. It would have been killed. Because of where we it was going, it, like what happened after that in, within the company that mostly want, that wanted it the most before we decided to walk away, uh, it imploded. 
So it would have, we would have walked away without a dime and with, without our project at the same time. Oh my God. Are we not now at a point, um, and you guys would be well equipped, I think, to answer this question where whatever cynicism and uh, short sightedness has overtaken the movie industry is now more than outweighed with the possibilities of creative freedom on the television end. Television and can we include streaming on that? Absolutely. That good. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Episodic, episodic stories. So I think there's truth in that. Say I kind of how did you pres- How did you say it again? Yeah. Say, say oh, there's again. no way I'm getting that whole sentence out again. Alan didn't uh, understand. Basically, I feel like so Hollywood used to make five times as many movies right. yeah, they as did. they as they do, and they don't, and they're they're making the the the, the, the fishiest fish in the barrel they can they can get their hands on, right? right. But at the same time, I feel like there are. A couple of years ago, there was something like 500 scripted series that got made that aired on, be it a network or a streaming service or whatever. So is TV now not more than picking up the slack for whatever we used to expect from the movie studios? Not yes. only that, but they're using movie stars yeah. in those projects. Right. Because there aren't, there, <laughs> there aren't movies for the movie stars to go do. I mean, it's part of, it's, it feeds right into it. Yeah. Right. I, I met with a guy... Um, who's a big uh, financier of movies? Big, I know him through somebody. He's a billionaire dude, and one of my many billionaire friends. <laughs> and he, I said, "Hey, so from your perspective, how's the movie industry?" This was a couple of years ago. How's the movie industry doing? And he said, um, "Really well." And I said, "That's good to hear because you know, from my end, it's kind of like hmm." And uh, it, and I didn't ex- explain why that was, but he said. No, it's one of the best places to put your money. Like on average, you can make more from the dollar invested as a return, blah, 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 and foreign, blah, blah, blah. And he said, the problem is we just need to stop making so many movies. And I said, get a new fucking algorithm. And that dinner didn't go well after that. I was so, it was such a reaction, like a gut punch that he told me that. And they there have only been less and less because they're trying to like, people will go see movies whether they like them or not. Mm-hmm. So we'll just give you this gruel and you'll eat it. You'll spend your money on what we give you to spend money on. And that's and now TV has done that and the, I feel like um the money they put into television too is so much more than it used to be. They they the the quality has come up so much they have to the networks are putting it way up. And uh Definitely HBO, things like that. It's right. Well, and things are meeting in the middle because everybody's getting a better TV and a bigger TV in their house. And if you made uh, Spielberg said that the Lincoln movie, he's like, you have no idea how close that was to being an HBO uh, production. And I'm not. He's like, I'm not exaggerating. It was a coin flip that that could have just gone straight to your television instead of being a thing that most people who have seen it skipped in the theater and watched at home on their television anyway, because that's the way that goes. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's. It's exciting. It's, and now the technology is coming up the, the way it is. We can make a TV show, uh, a show that uh, looks like a TV show. Except now that I'm doing a, uh, <laughs> a, uh, a show, TV they show. throw <laughs> millions and millions of dollars at everything. I mean, we do more with less money. Like, we, we shot, I'm doing this show called Powerless on NBC, and we mm-hmm. shot in a natural, we had a natural history museum. And we went over to the set, and they built this amazing natural history museum set. And now that I'm a producer, I'm like, whoa, God, you did this. And, oh, you got a whole dinosaur over here and skeletons, and this is great. Look at these craft services. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, these are real <laughs> carrots. We don't use real ones. Plastic. Uh, 
I was like looking. I was like, wait, so we only have this scene in this location. Yeah. So we're ripping this down after we shoot these two, three scenes? Yeah. Oh, my God, what a waste of money. Guys, <laughs> guys, if we had built that for Con Man, we would have shot a season of Con Man in a natural history museum because it was so well done. But they they just, they, yeah, they, put, the they, 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 throw, they throw a lot of money at things. There's, there's a better way to be, you know, use money. Uh, I'm not complaining. Keep, keep spending money in NBC. But uh, do you remember on Firefly we had a, a spaceship landing gear? There's a big piece of landing gear. We didn't want to put the whole spaceship in, so we just have guys standing next to some landing gear. In another episode, that piece of landing gear painted was up in the air a medical scanner of some kind. We would reuse things all the time. Oh, really? All that's, the time. That's some old school. Let's put on a show. Yeah. Yeah, I got, yeah man. I got some costumes in a box. We can use the barn as a stage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a couple minutes left. I have one more thing I want to throw at you, uh, gentlemen. This also is from uh, Con Man, and this is one of the things that Stephen Root had to say, which is uh, in the same conversation, Alan, you were talking about a few minutes ago, yeah. he talks about um, branded people's bumbling around buying their identities on credit, which is, sounds a lot better coming out of his mouth than mine. And I heard that and I thought, okay, whatever. And then I paused it for a second and I said, holy shit, I think that is me. <laughs> I was really dis- <laughs> I was like, well, no, but that, well, no, that bit also. I'm like, well, I did just go buy some clothes. No, that was, I did not actually have that money. I did put mm-hmm. that on credit and I did, I am pretty brand loyal. Holy. Well, yeah, here, he- here, here <laughs> I was thinking I was a person. He said, he <laughs> says that yeah, there are no, there are no countries anymore. There are no cultures or people. There's no cultures. It's just branded people bumbling around buying their identities on credit. I'm such a cynic, man. But yeah, I agree. I, I think that's what we are to business people. There are no cultures. None of that matters. You're just a brand mm-hmm. that we will cater to or cut out when you're no longer a revenue source for us. I, yeah. I, I, I. Well, it's, You've it's, picked it, out the... I, thank you for that. Sure. I'm very happy about those words. It's maybe... Uh, you should be. It's maybe hyperbole to take it on face value, but the, the point, I guess, is that there's more truth to it. It holds it holds a little bit more water than, for, at least for me, it did on first blush. Yeah, you yeah, know? all of that. Yeah, that. Did you ever talk to people that have those weird jobs that are all about how to get you to spend money? There was a guy I knew who uh, invented a, uh, a, a, a a something for your website, a program for your website. You have a website, and you have a bunch of things on your website. If people click on something, you know what they're clicking on because they clicked it, so they can count that. Right. But if you're not clicking on anything, they still want to know where you're dragging your mouse mm-hmm. over the screen. They want to know what color letters are you reading more than other letters. What fonts do you like? Do you like it when it's a picture next to it, or do you like it when it's a, what do you what do you glide your mouse over? They have a ghost screen, so to say, up on your website, and they're tracking your mouse even when you're not clicking on it. And he sold that technology for a huge amount of money and. Retired. Wow. Just to get you to spend money, like tenths of a cent. Oh, they get so specific now. You look at one ad and then, or you go on one website and you're like, I don't know, maybe I'll get those shoes. And then for a you know month, you're being haunted by the shoes you didn't buy. Yeah. And yeah. 
on that incredibly optimistic note. <laughs> oh my God, the world is ending. <laughs> it's so. been really, really nice talking to you guys. Thank you for yeah, uh, Michael's a time. pleasure, man. You do a great job. Thank you very much, uh, Alan Tudyk, Nathan Fillion. The series one more time. Con Man is on Comic Con HQ. Ah, yeah.